0: Dear friend, let's discover more of who we are together. Love, Haley and Amanda. Hello, dear friends. Hi, dear friends. Welcome back to another week of the Dear Friend podcast. And today we have nothing short but a great interview. Nothing
1: short of? Yeah. I thought you were making a reference to his um, height. I wasn't, but that is funny Mm because he's
0: really tall. He's 6'4". Let's see if
1: we can describe him enough that people will guess. Okay. He's
0: six four. He's, he's an artist.
1: He's an artist. He's not Maris.
0: He is married. Two children. Local. No, he's not married to children. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's married,
0: married two children. children. He uh, lives in Oak, uh, Cliff. Oak
1: Cliff, Texas. Um. He, he is.
0: His art is. Do you consider it abstract? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, kind of abstract expressionism ish. Yep. Um, I hope that he approves of all these words.
0: He is nice. <laughs> He's very nice. He He's is thoughtful. thoughtful.
1: He gets vulnerable. He does. He really went there with Have us. You guessed.
0: Now. We're gonna give you three, three, two, two one. Kyle Steed. <laughs> oh, and I, I bet like <laughs> and I bet you already knew that because it's in the title.
1: Oh. Okay, well, this is dumb. <laughs> Segment guess something we told you.
0: It's kind of like <laughs> the game Trouble. What's the point? Except you don't lose the dice. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that we think Trouble should be ra- named No, no Risk,
0: because it's just no, you yeah. no risk to play. You can't lose the dice or anything. Yeah, and
1: it's like nothing happens. happens. It's like Why Gilmore Girls. Trouble?
0: <laughs> who who created Trouble? And who's playing Trouble?
1: Me. Really? We used to when we were kids, remember? I did not. And know we it. thought that it was cool, or I thought it was cool to push the bubble, the trouble bubble. Yeah, but
0: I feel like it's one of those games where I went to someone's house, they had it, we pushed the bubble. Oh, totally. I, I, didn't I didn't own, own it. it. I wouldn't own trouble. <laughs> Who'd own trouble? <laughs> Who'd own trouble? Um, so, this interview, mm. I don't know how we got on trouble. It's not trouble, it's... It's the opposite of treble. It's good good news. It's not treble.
1: I think it was us trying to make our listeners guess something
0: that we already told them. Oh, it was a bad game. Like mm-hmm. treble. Yeah. Okay, so listen. Kyle Steed is an incredible artist, like we said, in the game that didn't matter. He is a local Oak Cliff, Texas artist, but his work is everywhere. And and it's incredible. And we highly, highly suggest you go follow his social media account because Number one, it's beautiful and he really showcases his work well. But also he just he has a very unique style that as soon as you see it, you're like that's Kyle Steed. Yeah,
1: which is actually one of the hardest things to do as an artist is right. be that recognizable. But his work is even changing and growing, and it's really interesting that his work is changing and growing kind of side by side seamlessly with kind of his personal growth and his journey, I, which was blowing
0: our brains a little I bit. I do have to say, this was one of my favorite interviews because he really goes there with us. Like, he... um. there was just like no holds bar. He was not like, no, that's too personal. Like he went there, he told us things that were not too personal or anything, but just like, he really shared his journey and his journey, um, about evolving recently in his life. And I really, really resonated with a lot of what he's saying. I know you guys are. Yes. So listen. And,
1: And our, it really was perfect because our slogan is let's become more of who we are together. And, uh, we love that quote it's because we love that quote becoming becoming and and he is just doing that which is why we named the episode becoming because he is on committed and on that journey which is so powerful so
0: let's do our pledge and go into his episode are you ready yes i pledge allegiance to the flag, the flag, flag of the united, united mates in america, in america. And, and rarely in public, in public is where we, we stand one friendship Under God, indivisible, live purdy, and just us for all. You guys enjoy Kyle Steed's uh, interview. We know we did. So, Kyle. Hi. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from?
2: Sure can. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs>
0: We're so buckled.
2: You know, in the um, in the office when uh, when Pam tells Michael he's got a call, and he, and before she patches him through, he gives. She gives him, like, a test round. Yes. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, now here's Jan. <laughs>
0: yes, because she, like, waits for him to say his stupid intro, and then she's like, oh, Michael, it's still me. Now yeah, it's yeah, Jan.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's then he's normal. This, yes, that's what this made me think of. Except it's not normal. I'm not normal.
0: You're, you're doing great. You're okay. seeming normal. Perfect. Great. Great.
2: <laughs> Amazing. My background, I, yeah, Raised in, uh, so I was born in Savannah. Let's start there. A little baby. Yeah. Baby Kyle. (laughs)
0: Just give us a brief version, you know, like what briefs you wore. Yes. In a nutshell.
1: (laughs) You know, because briefs are like a nutshell.
2: Nutshell, yeah.
0: (laughs) had to put that in there. Comic books.
2: Probably Mickey Mouse was on my little undies when I was a boy. Yeah, that's... I have one memory. Isn't it funny? Memories mostly now are like lived through photographs. Yes. You know? So there's like this memory of me as a little boy playing Light Bright. Do you remember LightBrights? Yes. And I had like this blue Mickey Mouse like themed wallpaper on my, on my walls. It was badass. I was like, <laughs> what else could I want?
0: <laughs> you were living the dream.
2: But I don't remember it. I just, th- oh. I see that picture Aww. and I'm like, yeah, I know that's kind of sad.
0: I know. I don't really remember a lot of specifics Mm -hmm. or I see like old VHS home videos Mm -hmm. and then that's my memory. Yeah. I'm like, Oh
2: yeah. So don't remember Savannah. I was like one maybe. And we moved to Huntsville in Alabama, North Alabama. And I'm five. When I'm five, my parents divorce. My dad moves out to Texas. We Mm -hmm. stay. My brother, I have an older brother, four years older. Mm -hmm. his name is Isaac and we just kind of had a normal like what's a normal (laughs) quote-unquote had a I played baseball I tried to do basketball and I was like not a tall kid I was like your Uh, average I was about to
0: say yeah I bet you did play basketball you're really tall you Uh -uh. guys can't tell because he's sitting in a short chair
2: yes this is like, it's movie magic, what's <laughs> happening right here. <laughs> I'm all legs, too, so Not I'm real. I'm am 6'4", but wow. growing up until I was probably 15, almost, I was kind of like a late bloomer on the late side, Yeah. Um, so I think it was by my junior years, like over the summer, I had a huge growth spurt, which was crazy.
0: And whenever your parents were divorced, were you going back and forth?
2: In the summers and most Christmases, yeah, I remember the first time I got on a plane, to go away from my mom to go see my dad I was just like a wreck I was just like in the plane because it was just my brother and I you know and it's so crazy that like you just let kids like hop on a plane
0: I know and this is
2: normal and I'm just sitting there like bawling I'm just so you know like it's not natural no you know and feeling all those like heavy feels um and my brother's like I don't know what he said to me, but as an older brother, it's probably something like just suck it up. like <laughs> Come on. We're going to be okay.
0: <laughs> Big heavy metal can float in the air. It yeah. can happen. Every time I'm on a plane, I'm like, I know it's like, I bet he was
1: like, I'll just, I'll get you a drink and some pretzels. You'll be fine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> just shut up. Stop crying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so your dad being in Texas it, is, do you think maybe that's how you ended up here coming back and forth?
2: Yeah. It's weird. So my dad moved around a lot as, when we were kids growing up. Um, so I really appreciate, like, I kind of had more of a stable place. At least we lived in one spot for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, by the time I moved to my dad when I was 14, he was living in Nashville at the time, so that's where I went into high school, finished high school there, mm-hmm. um, where I got into doing graphic design. So, like, the dream inside of me from an early age was I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to get... Out of the South, I wanted to go to New York. Like Those were my dreams and aspirations.
1: So as a young, let's just back up for a sec. Yeah. Young little Kyle running <laughs> around, not tall. What do you remember like what it was about, let's say architecture? Because I know as a kid, you weren't like, I want to be an architect. Maybe. Yeah. Were you building things? How were you playing? Did your mom and dad pick up on certain things?
2: Yeah, great. Um, drawing a lot. In class, I was the kid that was, like, just scribbling in my notebook, mm-hmm. half ass paying attention to what the teacher said. And, uh, <laughs> and I started drawing, like, these elaborate house plans. Like, I would make, like, ten-story houses. Just, I had the graph paper. I thought graph paper was the coolest thing when I was a kid. I was like, look, you can just, like, make all these rooms. And I would draw from memory, like, my house at home when I was at school. I was like, oh, here's our bedroom. I don't know, something about, like, the organization and just dreaming something up. But it was, like, very, like, mapped out. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, like, very detailed. Um,
0: And it's like your mind had some kind of intuition with space, like, mm -hmm. very spatially aware to be able to do that. Right. That's pretty cool.
2: But then, of course, like art class, making paintings and drawings and pastels and all the things that you go through school learning. Like, my parents, my mom would keep those on the fridge, and they were always very encouraging. Like, they were always like, oh, you're really good at this, you know? And that definitely helps boost confidence. So I was like, oh, well, this is great. Like, they're noticing this. I'm getting recognized for it. So, like, I want to keep this Mm -hmm. thing going. And I guess connecting the dots between that and later in high school, like with graphic design, that still felt like this nebulous. Like I don't know what this thing could do or mean down the road, but yeah. it definitely feels like I can take all the skills I've already kind of been honing and applying on paper into this other realm. Mm. Um, so I just kind of started to to pursue that, and then after high school, I graduated in 2000. I moved to Fort Worth. So that was when I first moved to Texas in October of two thousand.
0: What was the reason for the My move? Dad okay. my dad
2: lived in Fort Worth again at the time. <laughs> so he'd like bounced around all over and then they had from Nashville, like right before I finished school, he got another job offer. So he's always done contracting work, more like um engineering type of, of work. Yeah. And he just retired uh this year or last. Wow. But yeah. So he just bounced around, and and that was cool as a kid because we got to see like Portland and parts of Texas and like do road trips to to um through New Mexico and, and Mexico and so getting to like experience different parts of the country I think was a really interesting advantage. Yeah. Um, now would I trade it for like a stable family upbringing? <laughs> sure.
0: No, you you wouldn't, would you? <laughs>
2: Yeah. He goes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, things, that's the beauty of life is, like, things are what they are. Yeah. And so we get to choose how we respond to them. And how do we process that? And how do we really, like, sit with it and feel it? And I think that's coming closer to current times in the last few years, four or five years of therapy of like really oh shit, like a lot of this stuff wasn't normal. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? A lot of the things that I just accepted as like this is just the way it is. Yeah. Actually there's been yeah, that's not the case. And so to really like feel that way and, and grieve a lot of part of that. Yeah. A big part of that has been really helpful. Yeah. Um and it's helped in my marriage. It's helped in other relationships too. But yeah. And I think it's just so sad as um, as a man, but as boys growing up, like I was never offered, let's go to family therapy. Like, yeah. do you need to talk to someone yeah. or, you know, there's, it's just not very, and maybe I hope that's changing.
0: I hope so too.
2: And I know as we're raising our daughters to be more like having a higher emotional IQ and to talk about feelings, yeah. I guess it's still hard for, for me yeah. to point at that. And really, like, clearly identify what it is. So I still feel like that's a work in progress for me. Yeah. Um,
0: I feel like it's an actual skill to be able to identify your emotions in the moment. And, like, and and identify where you're feeling them. Mm -hmm. Because we, like, we even all of us, we just shove them down so much. Yeah. So you you started going to therapy at what age?
2: Oh, my God, 30. When do we have our 10-year? I was 35. Yeah. I think that's right. 35. 34, 35. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I still, it took me like six months to really commit. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go, babe. I'll go. Yeah. I'm telling my wife, like, she's like, if you don't go, we're going to have much bigger problems. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would be like the week or a day or two ahead I'd be like, Hey, do you have room? And the, my therapist, he's like, no, like, I see people, like, on routine, you know, like, <laughs> I have standing appointments, yeah. just thinking, like, oh, I can just get in, like, it's no big deal, right, so finally, like, having to, like, own that, that I'm just, like, dragging my ass on it, and mm-hmm. not committing to it, and then, so then, once I started, like, routinely going and showing up, yeah, and doing that work, yeah, because that's what it takes, like, to be committed to something, yeah. yeah.
1: I'm curious if this Um, which I know we were like talking about you moving here to Fort Worth, but we can get back to that, but you starting to do this deep dive on yourself emotionally and your past and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. how it's affecting your relationships. Have you seen any of that like affect your artwork? I know that it's affected you personally and your personal growth and your relationships, but I'm curious to know if if it has caused any shift in your work. And it's totally fine if it hasn't.
2: I think it has. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how it couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. If we're truly... And I think as artists, we really have a a special opportunity to Mm. take what we're feeling, what we're processing on the inside, and we use that as fuel. Like, that's fire to really... Let that come out in an outward, expressive, visual way, mm-hmm. um, or as a musician in an audio, you know, in whatever your way that you're expressing that. But um, for me, it, there's this theme of openness of of being more open, more receiving, more accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of my upbringing, which I'm very thankful for, and in large part due to my grandparents on my mom's side was this very strong religious upbringing and being raised in the church in a baptist church everything is very black and white very heaven or hell very you know are you saved or not saved and so the world becomes very small and Mm -hmm. you feel i felt into my late 20s even coming into my early 30s that like there is this ultimate form of truth it is it comes from one source and anyone else that d- doesn't have this form that looks the way that I know it to look,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it just feels bad. You know, it's like you start to f- feel bad for people and not yeah. like in a sympathetic, no. compassionate way. Yeah. It's almost like a judgy, I'm going to look it's down on you. It's very
0: elitist. Yes. Yeah.
2: It's fuck that. <laughs> 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 fuck the elitism. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But that's what I was so like bound up in for so long. And I think it spoke to my work in those days, Mm. too, of it was very controlled. It was very, and it served design very well, because designing is very, you have to be, you don't have to be, but I think designing is solving problems, you Mm -hmm. know, more than art is asking questions. And until you're really comfortable, I was never comfortable about being curious or asking questions, Mm. and that's one thing therapy opened me up to, was like, Oh, I'm actually not really that curious about a lot of things. Yeah, like I just kind of push things down and ignore them.
0: I I have a question for you. Okay. We're we're going off on a, a space <laughs> I didn't expect, but because you're, I really appreciate you being like so open and uh, vulnerable about your upbringing. Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. Um, but because we both had very similar upbringings, mm. and we always say like that way of thinking, it does feel like so small, mm-hmm. um, it and. Is. That whenever I started to question, put things in question, and I was like realizing how much I didn't know, Mm -hmm. I started having like panic attacks Mm -hmm. because all this time in my life I felt like I had something that grounded me, and like then then I felt like all of a sudden I was flailing about, Mm -hmm. and I'm just curious if you had a similar experience.
2: I'm smiling because I. (laughs) completely reflective in my own journey I actually
0: I love this
1: phrase Her therapist at that time called it your baby you're parasailing with no boat
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> and that's good. how it felt
2: <laughs> yes I described my experience like that as just free-falling like the yeah. floors being pulled out from under me um so I don't know if you've ever read Richard Rohr he's mm-hmm. um he is a it's a what is it Franciscan—that's the sect of of Catholicism. He's like a Franciscan friar priest, um, dude. Wonderfully sweet. His base is out in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Mm. and I've had the wonderful opportunity to meet him and then work with their organization. Um, It's the CAC Center for Action and Contemplation that he founded back in like the '70s or something. He was vastly ahead of his time. But he loves, like, the mysticism part of Christianity. Hmm. But when I started reading his work is when all of this started, like, culminating together, swirling around inside of me, <laughs> you know, just yeah. this big, like, it was bleeding up to something, which was just this, like, phew, like whoa. Mm. Truth doesn't just, truth is just true. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah. Whether you're talking about Buddha or you're talking about Christ or you're talking about anything else. Mm-hmm. Um And I was so afraid of that growing up. Like I was so afraid to be outside of being right. Yeah. That everything inside the church told me like, this is how you be, this is how you become right. Yeah. You know, like get right with God. (laughs) Like all these words that are just tools to enslave people, you know, yeah, keep people trapped in fear. And, and it's just so painful. But the part there's so many different things I want to say the part that I'm thankful for and that I mentioned about my grandparents is like there was that stability yeah. there was like at least some form of something I could hold on to growing up because while my home life was kind of shaky at times yeah. and not having that stability I found in truth or in in the Bible and going to church like oh, okay this feels stable for me yeah um And so I'm happy that it's happened at a later stage in my life, Mm. in my 30s, Mm. where, okay, now I have my own family, and I have a spouse, and I have my therapist, and I have friends who are kind of in similar phases of life to, like, walk this stuff out Mm. with, you know. But it very much felt, I read um, Richard Rohr's book, um, I think it was called Everything Belongs, Mm. and basically it just blew apart the black and white. Thinking that I had been holding on to for so long. Yeah. And then once I like that opened up in my chest and my mind, all, everything just was like, okay, I don't know what I believe anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe in love. Yeah. Like I believe that there is truth, but I don't believe that that comes from one specific. It doesn't look like one specific way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, when we walked into your studio, we saw a quote by um, the author of The Alchemist, mm-hmm. which I do not know how to pronounce his name, but I'm going to say Paulo Coelho. That's
2: great. <laughs>
1: um, and what you're saying, we recently, we couldn't believe that we hadn't.
2: <laughs>
1: Hold on. <laughs> hello. Hello. Okay, um, that we hadn't read. That I think we may have read it when we were young. But young. Yeah, and so we just reread it. And oh God, yes. It's and beautiful. talking about, it's like so on point with what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. the soul of the world and how everything has a soul and it's all connected and we all have our part. And like there's this plan that's intertwined that you can't really understand, but we're a part of it. Yes. And it just, it's such a more open, broad. Mm-hmm understanding of truth and connection and love and our part in this big confusing thing that we can't
2: Yeah. Can't understand. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and our finite understanding, like our limited capacity, right? Yeah. And it's so wonderful to know our limitations too, because we are limited, just at least in this space and this time and in these bodies. Yep. Do you remember the, the, what the quote is?
1: Trust the signs. Follow the signs. Follow yeah. the signs,
0: yeah.
2: But I'd say trust them too. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to trust them to follow them. Yeah. I lo- when I first read The Alchemist, I was blown away. I was like, how did I not it- get to read this book until now?
0: Same, same. <laughs> I, we, we were on a plane and every every page I'd read something, I'd be like, Haley. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. But
1: I think it's what you were saying earlier in life we weren't ready to read that. No, I wouldn't I would have, have I wouldn't have received it. I probably would have made fun of it. I probably would no, have judged sure. it out for of sure. my black and white viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And I'm I it's not that I feel, you know, more sure of anything, but I feel so much more grounded and peaceful in this realm of belief yeah. now. Yeah. And um I did I did want to ask if you when all of this was happening and you read Richard Rohr, Mm -hmm. if that's when, because you said that blew apart my black and white thinking, and I thought you were going to say my black and white artwork. Is that
0: when you added color, though? It kind kind of of
2: all happened at the same point in time, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because the thing that was keeping me back was fear, because I was like, oh, I don't know, like, overthinking and fear about what color, how do I start, where do I, all this was like, bullshit then it's just that doesn't even matter does it what's more important is like if I just try try this yeah and then I can trust the process and that's what it's what it's taught me is like just trust the process yeah just trust showing up it's just the same thing that I'm that I'm experiencing here today like when y'all came in I'm just like I'm feeling my feelings I'm feeling frustrated I'm feeling like this isn't it's so hard to like have a vision and then just like keep wrestling with it until you think you've like maybe starting to see some reflection of what you see on the inside yeah Yeah. um but that really yeah that really started to blow apart not just the thinking but like what was coming out well how was i expressing Mm.
0: so Um, i have a question about your art yes is it to you like a world you're creating that you're like letting people step into whenever you're coming up with this or what is kind of the thought process about mm-hmm. putting a piece together? Cause I kind of feel like you, when I look at your art, it does feel like another world you're mm-hmm. stepping into.
2: I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think about it and you said spaciousness before and mm-hmm. I, that's kind of what I'm, I think the theme that I'm dealing with more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll share this on here. So I had a a psilocybin um, experience, if you're familiar with that. Um, A mushroom trip.
0: Mushroom trip, yes.
2: Yeah, end of last year. Okay. One of the most beautiful, reflective, I've never felt more peace and love and joy. Like, it was an amazing experience. We've heard that from
0: people, actually.
2: Yeah. And it's becoming, I mean, now even when I did it, but I think it's the rise in popularity and it's beginning to be more um, normalized, I think yeah. is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like Michael Pollan's writing books about it. They're studying it. They're doing research. And it's a wonderful tool, just like anything else. I think there's so much, it has a lot of power and I think it should be treated respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that experience for me, where I went to in my mind's eye, was about an hour, this like, deep visual like just experience and there was this space in me that opened up oh, wow. and it's all these different windows and but the space this cavernous sort of world inside of me that just lit up and hmm. I just remember in that moment feeling like I belong here like I'm okay like hmm. this space in me is hmm. um is allowed to be here so it was very so just like powerful. affirming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I spent like 10 minutes just laughing my ass <laughs> off later. I mean, yeah, it was a really, um, and I don't share that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess for me, it's like letting go of the stigma, stigmatization. Is that a word? Yes. yes. Let's go with it. Let's yeah. go with it. <laughs> <laughs> because what I'm letting go of is the way that I judge all that stuff. Yeah. when i was from so long ago you know um but it's funny like well normal we've normalized alcohol which mm-hmm. is such a deadly substance you yeah. know um yeah so space, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm space. coming back around <laughs> yeah but i think the architecture thing too is is showing up
0: oh yeah 100%
2: yeah and so there's something about building, like, I loved Legos. I still love playing Legos with my girls. And I'm so happy my girls love to play Legos. Yeah. <laughs> and just creating things, just taking pieces. And um, there's a saying that I love. I don't know who it's attributed to, but I use it. And I, I believe just everything builds. So what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, like, every experience, every heartache, every joy that we experience, like, everything in life builds on top of it itself, you know? Yeah. And so that means, I think part of where I'm at now is like integrating a lot of my life, a lot of past experiences and things that I've tried to reject and, um, just to integrate like Mm -hmm. the good parts of those things. Yeah. And then also learn from the bad parts.
0: (laughs) It's, it's actually interesting. I'm, you'll probably remember the the girls who said this they were interviewed on uh, another podcast but about how when we experience something and we have an emotion mm. like it's in us and until we release it it stays and compounds and it's like so many people don't let themselves feel it and they numb it out mm. but it is still inside of us yeah and I think it's it's totally with what you're saying like all of that is a part of you and you have to like release that stuff because then it's going to build on top of the next thing yeah. that you're doing and yeah. I'm I'm curious like whenever you were saying that space inside of you that you found on your trip mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what what was that was it just everything that you had rejected about yourself
2: mm. or
0: what was it
2: wow Oh, I'm sure in some parts there there is a part of that. Yeah, that's a really great question. Yeah. I'm going to have to reflect on that further. Um, yeah, you, there was one part, I'll share this, that specifically happened. There was one room, because I, I saw all the rooms, and it was, like, ancient, you know, like, cavernous, like, um, earthen, just, and they weren't even, like, really decorative windows or doors, whatever they were. They were just, like, carved out, and everything was, like, into this one center like chamber room and you couldn't see it but it was all filled with love that's all i remember feeling was like this whole space is filled with love wow and i went into one room because i was like okay i want to turn all the lights on like let's turn the lights on there was like this divine presence with me that Mm -hmm. i wasn't familiar with i just felt and i went into one room i believe it was like a bed or there was like a shadow part and there's this like figure or something that like went to hide And I just remember saying, like, you're okay. Like, it's okay to be here. Like, you can come out. Like, you don't have to hide, essentially, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, um, and I've, as I've learned more and listened to people talk about their experiences, the hardest part is contextualizing after the fact. And so I have journal entries and, like, I made voice memos during that time. I'd love, I need to go back and listen to them, but, um. Yeah, like I, I don't think it could not be about parts of me that felt rejected, yeah, or parts that I was stuffing down, parts that I was trying to hide, you know, and not bring mm-hmm. bring into that light. Yeah, yeah,
0: I think it's like so incredible and like honorable when people go there within themselves because yeah. it's scary as hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. like
2: oh, I was, I would say I was, um. Maybe low anxiety. I was nervous. <laughs> I'll Say I was nervous beforehand. Yeah. Just because it's a new experience. And afterward I was like, what the hell did I ever have to be nervous about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and of course that's my own experience. And I've, I, I want to be careful that it's not like, and this isn't an anecdote for anyone just to freely go. And, you know, there's, there are definitely, um, uh, precautions, you know, to take yeah. when doing something like that. But, um,
1: but also just what i was taking from what she was saying it's also so honorable that
2: Thank not you.
1: just the trip but like that then you took the long trip and <laughs> yeah and that you've continued yes. to explore because that's scary as hell yeah like i see yeah. why why are you behi- and i'm i'm in therapy too like it's i'm a huge fan mm-hmm. it's Exploring those parts of ourselves that we didn't even let you know that we had the lights off, you know, and that we thought the lights need to be off there, you know, but then we don't realize that we're behaving in certain ways because that light's been off since we were five years old or whatever, you know. And I think it's so beautiful that you were talking about how the light came on in all the parts and that it was okay and that. And I see a connection with the spiritual that you were talking about, too, and your artwork and that just that openness mm-hmm. that we initially think about the world and everyone else, but also how open we are with ourselves. Yeah. And like, is it like we should be able to accept.
2: Keep going. I'm loving this.
1: We should be able to accept all of the parts of us like it's okay that we have a scared little person inside of us Mm -hmm. and it's okay that we have a really brave thoughtful wise person inside of us and an adventurer and also someone who's real scared and you know
2: and you ever feel like that scared little kid 100 (laughs) percent. yeah i'm not alone
1: (laughs) i mean and and another thing you were saying at the beginning like leaving that self critic not leaving that self critic but befriending it Mm -hmm. and it's like that little scared child inside of all of us we don't need to tell her or him to get out you know it's like hey you're okay with me you know and and we're on this journey and we're gonna follow the signs and we're gonna trust the process Mm -hmm. and we don't know the outcome but whatever you know Mm -hmm. and so And there's also another um, I'm going to buy you this book by David White (laughs) called called House of Belonging. Yeah. And it's about finding that place Mm -hmm. of belonging inside of us that we belong to ourselves and to feel peaceful and calm and accepting of Mm -hmm. ourselves. And then we proceed out into the world completely differently.
2: Yeah. That's so true.
0: I have a a question then. Um, As. A parent, like as a father, because mm-hmm. we had um, a guest Olivia on our on our podcast, and she said parenting is like parenting your yourself outside mm-hmm. of yourself. Mm-hmm. And do you feel oh, like shit, yes. it's something that <laughs> so true <laughs> that it, you you going inside of you? That's something that has helped you be a better parent.
2: <sighs> Help me. I mean, yeah, and I think it's all about how you frame it how you look at it like are you just looking to pass the time and like okay let's just get through this and the kids go to bed and then whatever Mm -hmm. but it's like and some days are like that I'm not going to pretend like they're not because some days it's just like I've got no energy my Amanda my wife's got no energy you Mm -hmm. know we're just like get these kids to fucking bed like (laughs) come on (laughs) we just need to relax yeah but then you can you know there's Yes, like some, a friend of mine once told me that you're, how old your kids are is how old you are at parenting. So th- like <laughs> I've got a 7 and a 5-year-old, so I feel like sometimes like I'm a 5-year-old trying to parent a 5-year-old. Yeah. But I see so much of me in my 5-year-old that it's scary. Yeah. And, I, and then I'm like trying to relate to her, and I'm like, look, I hear you. I know that's hard and that's scary. Um, there's a wonderful book called Body Keeps the Score if you've Hmm. ever heard of this book. No, the body keeps the score. Wonderful, yeah. And it talks about like past trauma and stuff, but the way that we store those things and the way that our body remembers before, even brain will connect it it Hmm. to a memory. Um, Yeah, early, like with little babies, when they were little, I would get triggered a lot, just um, feeling really helpless. Yeah. You know, Um, and as being a man, as the first... When I first became a father with Savannah that day, my wife was laboring was like, I felt emotions intensely. I didn't feel them in my body. Like she's physically giving birth, but I felt like emotionally like spent. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to do. Like I can, I just have to be, to be here, <laughs> Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. I think parenting for sure feels like a, a self-reflection. And then one of the things my therapist says that's so wonderful is like, it's all about the repair process Mm -hmm. and it's all about how do you go back to them when you screw up and we screw up like 10 times a day or more, Yeah, (laughs) you know, I'm sorry. I raised my voice at you. I'm I'm sorry that X, Y, Z, you know, and that's hard. I don't do it well, um, every day. Um, but it's important and that does help as, um, not just to be a better parent, but as a human.
0: Yeah, because it's it's kind of something I think people forget. About. We don't have children, obviously, so we're gonna go with what you say on yeah. this. But um, <laughs> it just seems like a lot of people forget that their children are also people, yeah. and that people aren't perfect. And so they're learning, watching us about how we repair mistakes mm-hmm. because they will make mistakes, and they will raise their voice sometimes, yeah. and they will be oh, they angry. Sure will. Yes, mm-hmm. and if they see how you apologize, it becomes their yeah. normal to then that's right. apologize yeah, when they do it. They learn they more it.
2: by example than they ever will, the words that come out of this mouth. Like They're yeah. just like, whatever, dad. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one ear out the other. Exactly, but if you show them by, and that's so hard to keep in like the forefront of the, the mind when it's, you're in the middle of it. But Yeah. Yes. yeah. And be. I'm still thinking, like my wife is amazing she's a therapist and I feel like she's like two steps ahead of me on all this stuff always yeah but um it's so it makes parenting like that much richer because at least I know I have someone on my side mm-hmm. where we may not always see eye to eye on things mm-hmm. but then we have the ways that we can come back together and talk that through and and wanting to be on the same page more than anything. And especially when it comes to how how do we how are we raising our girls, you know?
0: How did you meet your
2: wife? MySpace. <laughs> really? M Y S P A C E dot com. <laughs> Whoa
0: <laughs> Was she one of your top friends? Did she liked your song on your page? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This
2: was two thousand five.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. MySpace. Oh
2: for real. This is a real story. I
0: need to hear it. Mm-hmm. How did this
2: well, did you know I was in the Air Force? No, Should we start uh, there? We didn't get there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was Twenty-one, living at home uh, with my dad, and just really kind of um, just didn't have that like drive, you know. Mm-hmm. I tried this, this community college thing for like a year, but just wasn't feeling it, and I was like, okay. Um, I did have a design internship one summer, and that was cool. I loved it. Got a great experience. But I just was like not, I didn't know, like, where do I want to move in this world? Like, what's my next step? I just couldn't see it. And so really my dad just was like, threw out two options. Go get a full-time job. Stop wasting your time. Or, and my brother was in the Air Force at the time, go talk to a recruiter. See what they're about. See if there's something that might interest you. Because it was never like on my path. Right. (laughs) If I had any sort of life path, the military would have been like (laughs) way over here, (laughs) like completely off page. Yeah. And so I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, this this is a terrible idea. So to appease my dad, go into the recruiter's office and they're just like snake oil salesmen. I mean, they just will tell you everything you want to hear, all the ways you can go to school, blah, 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 travel the world. Um so I just kind of like went through the motions of it and I end up downtown here in Dallas um it's called MEPS which is their processing military entrance processing station. Wow. Yeah. They love acronyms. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. And ended up signing and wow. um didn't really understand why or, or what I was going to do cuz I kind of went into it open I didn't have like a plan of attack, like, oh, I want to go work on this specific thing or whatever. Um, right. I ended up doing intelligence, and so I got shipped to Japan.
0: Oh, my. What? And,
2: yeah, really weird. Learned this Morse code. This is out of
0: left field for me in the yeah. story. <laughs> 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 this is true. Learn Morse code. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. Can't wait to put that in the intro.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Expert at Morse code. Is <laughs>
2: that it? Uh, <laughs> no, it sounds <laughs> like... Sound, you, yeah. Do you it. remember that old Interpol album? Did you ever like the band Interpol?
0: No.
2: Uh, they have a great album called Antics, and the front cover is um, Morse Code written out. It's the name of the album, I think. Wow. Fa- Fact check me on that, but I know it has Morse Code on the front. <laughs> and I can pick, I don't know it anymore, but if it's like in a movie in the background, you know, like a war movie or something, I'd be like, oh, that's it. I don't know what it says. But that's it. But that's it. Yeah. <laughs> very surreal experience.
0: Well, did you enjoy Japan? Or was it kind of the way you were seeing I it? I would not love
2: man. And so this is the funny thing about life. I loved it, but I was there was a lot of fear there because I was still very black and white. Yeah. I was like, oh no, Buddha, like I can't really go to the like what happens if I go to, to a, a, a temple. A temple. I'm gonna like is it going to rub off on me? Like, it's so stupid.
0: Kyle, I'm judging you, and also, I would have been the same Yeah, <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm judging that part of me still, too. <laughs> I have to let that go. Um, I, ultimately, wonderful experience. Life-changing, even. Um, I'd say I would recommend anyone in their early to mid to late 20s you know if like you don't know what to do just go live in another country yeah for a while to see a complete and japan is completely feels like polar opposite even though they're a very developed nation like it's all it's not a melting pot like here like it is 90 something percent japanese um so the culture is so different but they're so beautiful like there's they were so welcoming so kind the food was wonderful. Now, of course, we had a different experience living near, we lived off base, but mm-hmm. living near a military thing, like it's very westernized. Right. People are very much more accustomed to seeing Westerners and tall white people walking around. So yeah, you, you yeah. kind of have to like go further out to get like a more culturally.
0: We, like, we always experience. say that everyone should feel like an outsider. Yeah at least you know at some point in your life That's go it. and be the outsider yes
2: in that i'd never experienced what that felt like you yeah. know as a white male growing up in the southeast like i was primed for <laughs> for success like that was it it was like bred yeah. into it yeah. but to have that experience and to know like the the insecurity and the doubt and the just that feeling of not really belonging. Yeah. That's taken for granted so much. Um, but it's so powerful in what it can teach us too. Yeah. um, to be humble and to be, you know, don't, don't be just a, a smart ass, like, you know, and it's sad to see, like when, when I was there, like you just see people that just don't pay any, they have no self-awareness about it, you know? Yeah. Um, MySpace. (laughs) So I was there. That's where all this was leading. (laughs) A girl I dated for a brief time there, she was the first one that showed me Facebook when it was still like only for colleges. Colleges. Yeah, And I was like, well, that's dumb. And then she was like, oh, and there's also MySpace. And I was like, oh, I like this. I could do this. I could do this. And so, yeah, I was like looking for people back home. And I think I was searching like maybe the community college. Anyways, her photo comes up. I click on it. I'm like, oh, she's cute. I'm like, who's this girl? I'm like, reading about her, send her a message, and that kind of started it. I
0: can't believe that's how you met your wife. That's
2: crazy. Yeah. So y'all just started messaging. Sixteen years in December. Whoa.
0: My gosh. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm.
1: Online dating. At the very (laughs) early (laughs) stages.
2: This is an advertisement for MySpace dating. Yeah.
0: That, I don't even know if you can get on that website you can't, anymore. No. <laughs> That's so y'all were just messaging back and forth. What was the big yeah. connector for you guys?
2: Uh, really we connect we, This is funny. We've been able to clearly see this later in life. Our our brokenness? <laughs> Yeah. I had was coming out of a bad relationship. She had just come out of a bad re- or maybe not bad relationship, but it was like a bad breakup. Yeah. So we're like two little wounded souls like online just mm-hmm. like trying to make a spark happen. That's and I don't even sweet. think that was our intention really initially, yeah. but the more that we got talking and what ended up like we had like two mutual friends in common from back home, which was wild. That is crazy. Um, had gone to the same church for a brief period of time, but our paths had just never crossed. Hmm. Yeah.
0: That's very interesting.
2: And so, <laughs> so we dated 10 months, long distance. This Whoa. is the crazier part. Ready? I fly home on December 9th. First time we've ever met in person. Now, like we'd seen pictures, we did a little video, like it was really rough in those days. It wasn't what it is today. Yeah. Um, video chats, phone calls, talked on the phone a lot. But I saw her the first time at the airport on December 9th, and we got married on the 14th, five days later. Uh.
0: Are you kidding? Did y'all <laughs> did y'all know that you were gonna get married? Or you prepared?
2: Yeah, that was the plan.
0: Oh, oh my god. Yeah,
2: we had kind of already like done like a long distance proposal, if that's a thing. Yeah. Wow. We were, now. Mm-hmm. We were just like in that season of life, I was so convinced that this was God's plan. That this was yeah. like, you know, this was all that language wrapped up around this, you know? Yeah. Um, and not to that that, like, makes it any less right. amazing or important or impactful, but, like, that was the framework that really I think both of us almost kind of held on to. Yeah. Because then, a month later, this is how crazy she is. She gets on a plane with me and leaves her whole life <laughs> and moves back to Japan with me. And so we live in Japan together for like a year and a half.
0: For your first year of marriage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: I know. Well, but
0: you know, I, I will say that does sound crazy, but you probably talked so much in that 10 months and without like the physical Mm -hmm. distractions, like you probably knew each other very well by the time you got married.
2: Yeah. So we knew each other in that sense, like on a, like um, on that level. And then like, yeah, being together, like in the physical same space and time and having that time together, that space, the first year of marriage is wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, where it was just us, like we didn't have the pressures of like going to see friends or hang out with family or whatever. Um, so yeah, it kind of helped like that we had the first 10 months without seeing each other and then, okay, now we can like settle into our new relationship, just us.
0: That's but, pretty cool actually.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it, like we got to go to Sydney on a honeymoon, like who gets to go to Sydney? Like it's mm, crazy. It's crazy. And traveling, I, the only thing we regret is not seeing more of Japan together, mm. traveling a bit more. Mm. Um. But we were, like, on the northern end of the main island, and so we got a lot of snow during the winter, which was really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: And then how— It was a
2: very simple—it felt like the simplest of times. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Reminiscing about it, it's like, oh, Yeah. That sounds nice. Life
0: was so simple. (laughs) (laughs) Because then when did you have your first kid? How many?
2: Oh, yeah. Not till almost. It was like right after eight years of marriage. Okay. Yeah. We did a big seven-year trip to California for like a week. And we kind of knew it going into it like this is going to be our last trip, just us. And then Mm. that was in December. So by the next November, Savannah was born. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's a substantial amount of time to establish your marriage.
2: We always said five, five years came, and then we were like, not yet. Yeah. Six years, not yet. Seven years, okay, maybe now. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet.
1: I have an off-topic question for you. Okay. I heard through the grapevine, and I've always wanted to know this, that you did some sort of...
2: I don't know where this is going.
1: First... (laughs) Or not first, but one of the first posts or something on Instagram?
2: No. That was a myth.
1: Or that you were, like, early on on Instagram, and some I heard someone told me this. I'm not kidding.
2: Yeah. I mean, ish, for me personally, like, I, I knew people that were, like, two years ahead of me, but I think because at the time, when was it, like, oh, 2010 or 11. That I probably first signed up. Yeah, because that's 2020 crazy. was my 10th anniversary, so it had to be 2010.
0: That's early because I didn't get on until 2011, yeah. like at, towards the end of it. Yeah. And, and it felt like new it, then. Yeah, it felt brand new. So, do you want to
2: hear this story? Yeah. About the rise in numbers that totally are meaningless?
1: Yes, <laughs> I do. Yeah.
2: There's a girl in Austin that I knew. I can't even remember how I knew, met this girl. She, anyways, that doesn't matter. I started taking pictures of my, this is so silly, my clothes. I would like fold them and I would arrange them. You know, like you see it all the time now. People take these like top down, there's yep. a special name yep. for it that I always forget. I love them. Yeah. So I was doing that in 2010 and this girl like reposted one of them or shared them. And at the time she had like 70,000 followers, which is crazy. That was whoa. like, whoa. Yeah, totally. And so then that just, that was the kicker. That was the, as Malcolm Gladwell would say, the tipping point. And um, I didn't know it, that it was happening at the time, but I saw and since when that happened, like every week I was getting like 2,000 new followers, 4,000 new followers. And then simultaneously Instagram at the time had suggested users. So anytime someone new signed up for, got the app, they would be like, here's people you should follow. And most oh. time I think people just hit like select all. So that really took my numbers through mm. the roof. And I think I maxed out like 180, 190 at one point. Wow. And then it's, it's just been a <laughs> steady, steady nose dive down, down, well, down, down, down. Like
0: how has social media affected your career if at all? Oh, has it?
2: Huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first big effect it had on me was my ego and thinking <laughs> how important I was and how yeah. like much of a big deal I must be because look at all this attention
0: hmm.
2: early on. But
0: that's co- probably good. I mean, it's a boost of confidence, right?
2: Yes, but then it also got weird, too. Like, yeah. we would go out to eat and it's just my wife and I and then you have people walking up to you and they're like, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. Or you just see people. And it's it's hard not to be flattered by it, and at the same time, it's a little embarrassing, and it's a little motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little.
0: I love it. For it's,
2: those that don't know, this studio has weird motion. Uh, motion it's becoming
0: that... a shtick in the episode. I love it. It's good. Third time's a <laughs> charm. Editing that out. I'm not taking it out. <laughs>
2: um, and then once the real, once the shit hit the fan, and it kind of happened oh, maybe four years ago or so, it kind of felt like the the, the wave started to, to fully crest and started crashing. And when, so I did, I got to do amazing jobs with Mercedes and with Lincoln and got to travel. I went to Israel, do all these amazing things just because of Instagram. Oh my god! Just because gosh. I was taking pictures on a phone. Ridiculous, right? Wow. Yeah. And amazing opportunities, like so thankful. Mm. And then it, there was a, a year, a moment where it just everything flipped like marketing all changed around it people I think because of the rise of it people started getting smarter their budgets maybe started getting smaller yeah and I took it really hard there was like a year that I was like really thinking it was something to do with me yeah and trying not to get really down on myself and like well, what do I do now and do I want to stay com- competing in this area yeah. and that's why I kind of just decided to like well fuck it like It's it's exhausting. Yeah, it is. To to be an influencer, quote unquote, and to try that and keep up with that life, like that is exhausting. Yeah. Because it takes all your time. Yes. And I think too, right around the time of having kids and being a new parent, I'm like, yeah, like that's not really what I want to give my time to.
1: Yeah. So your posts these days are very beautiful and thoughtful. What guides you're posting these days? (laughs)
2: Um, From the
0: peanut gallery over here. Yeah.
2: I like that the British have a a saying. It's like, fuck all. I mean, it just feels much like that. Like, I just want to share what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And in the moment that I'm working on something. I I don't want to spend all that time editing and refining. One, because I don't care anymore. And two, I'm pretty sure no one else does. (laughs) If I take an hour to, (laughs) you know, carefully, like make sure everything looks perfect yeah like just give me reality Hmm. do you ever listen to that lauren hill unplugged album
0: i love lauren hill but
2: oh man she has this great line she said uh oh i'm gonna mess it up so bad uh fantasy is what people want but reality is what people need you know, the fantasy, like, this this fantasy life of, like, living on Instagram. Yeah. Of everything looks amazing. Glamorous. Yeah. And, and choosing to, like, walk a different direction from that is, is not easy. Mm-mm. And you definitely, I mean, now I just kind of, at first it hurt when I watched the numbers go down. And now I'm like, great. <laughs> like, it's, that's a yeah. good feeling. I had this poster or this little, like, saying in here for a while that said, how do I lose more followers? Kind of like a mantra. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: and it's kind of nice that there is hopefully out in the world, be, like taking a shift towards that reality and authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, Brene Brown and her yeah. shtick on vulnerability, you know, <laughs> it. I mean, it's very popular right now, but it's resonating with a lot of people and it's changing the way we're yep. being in the world. And I think it is affecting social media and people's work and how we're interacting with others yeah. and our um, our little slogan for the podcast is to become let's become more of who we are mm. together so it's like not trying to be someone else yes. you know not trying to grow into a different person but trying yeah, to so together figure out the m- deepest most authentic parts of ourselves and just mm. honoring that and then helping each other
2: yeah i got goosebumps you talking about. that? <laughs> you know why? Because as like a recovering people pleaser. Like oh my God. So much yes. of me had been wrapped up in other people's perceptions of me and wanting to be all these different people hmm. for so many different, and it's impossible. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Or if you can, you're just going to like run yourself into the ground. You're just going to be exhausted all the time. And so, yeah, I think part of this path of recovery is like, therapy the mushroom trip like all these different ways of meditation of yoga is to like let's can we be okay here (laughs) can we love this first Mm -hmm. that's where everything has done this complete 180 where early for so many years growing up it was all about externally looking okay Mm. everything outwardly holding all that together but this if this isn't right, like, none of that else, none of that matters. And, and until we can love and find peace and contentment inside, like, we're not going to be able to have that for anyone, including ourselves first, but anyone else in our sphere our surrounding. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm convinced of, like, Yeah.
0: Well, and on that note, I was going to say my favorite quote in your, my favorite quote in your studio is my grandma could paint that. that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for touching on that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good place to end it is that you you said someone on a Instagram live.
2: Yeah. I was painting in here earlier this year. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just funny. Like, of course there's the people I know or people that I see from time to time that are hopping on and they're just saying hi but then there's just these trolls these people <laughs> that just love trying to like get under your skin so I love turning that on its head and like mm-hmm. using that as a source of like inspiration Befriending the
0: critic Yes see? exactly. You're doing it
2: Exactly Because I would just like be reading some of them out loud while I'm like on Instagram live and I'm like da, da. I'm like oh that's a good one
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ah your grandma could paint that and I'd love to see it <laughs> Yes Yeah that's so So yeah funny. I
2: think that's a that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Well, thanks. I seeing if there was... I had one more, but I don't know where it is. Never yeah. Wait on Inspiration.
0: Never I, wait on inspiration. Yeah. I like that one. Mm-hmm. You got your kids drawing back there, I think.
2: I do. Yeah, they were working... There's a couple of canvases over here that they... They haven't been up to the studio style in a style while. Style Keyed.
0: Mm-hmm. Style Keyed. <laughs> 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 I love it. Thanks for talking with us oh today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. It I'm was...
2: Yeah. Well, you guys, I mean, so this is what I want to say about y'all is these podcasts, like these conversations, like this is, this is an extension of social media, but it's more, it offers more of a glimpse of reality Mm -hmm. and like authenticity. The things that we're all after, I think ultimately. And so having these conversations is this isn't shit that you can just like sit behind a keyboard and talk about yeah and write about and edit your life you know so thank you for showing up and and doing what y'all do
0: we love these conversations like i feel you know we were telling you that we're having such a hard day and like it it's very um nourishing nourishing and Mm. uplifting to like have a conversation about life that it you know like we talked about how life is so fragile and like this stuff is so important That we're Mm. talking about and it's about living the best life that we can as the best versions of ourselves and really caring about the things we should care about that actually matter and i i'm i'm grateful for the conversation today because i needed it to come Mm. out of my own self
2: so Mm. well thank you
0: thank you so much
2: yeah i enjoyed it
0: me too that was really (laughs) really You and I were having a pretty rough emotional morning before this interview. Yes, we almost canceled the interview. We almost canceled the interview, and I have to say that after leaving it, I really felt kind of um realigned, like got some perspective. It really like sent me off on the rest of my day like on a good trajectory and that is what we were talking about with like that young Pueblo. I know I was just looking to
1: see if you had the book nearby because we forgot to read it again and I just love it because it's what we're about you guys and the truth is that even on your hardest days this has been one of the hardest weeks for us and Talking and having a real conversation with someone and them being vulnerable with you just realize it makes you realize that we're in this together and it sends you out. I mean, it's not like everything was like fixed or changed or something. No, it
0: just set us off. And, yeah, and there's so much encouragement in how we interacted with others. After that. So here's the poem. An honest and deep conversation with a good friend is sometimes the exact nourishment you need to regain clarity. Get back up, face the world, and resume your mission with a new and focused energy. And that is exactly what this conversation with Kyle did for us. We hope it did for you. Um, Becoming more of who we are together is hard, but it is so important. And we hope these conversations bring insight to your life, help you... uh, Maybe realize like you can go there too. Mm-hmm. And um let us know what you thought about the episode. Go follow Kyle Steed on we're gonna, Instagram. We're, we're going to be posting
1: all of his information about how you can find him. And even he posts little videos and stuff about his conversations along his journey. And so it should be very
0: insightful and encouraging. Okay, so you guys make sure you're following us at Podcast on Instagram. And like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast and review it. That's really helpful for us if you're enjoying it. Also, drop us a comment on YouTube because we do post the visual video, not just the audio there as well. So you guys have a great week. And until next week, live party.